there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week is an interesting time here in season two of Shoot the Flick because... We just got off of a very emotionally heavy film by the name of The Green Mile. And we're also coming up upon the ever so wonderful Christmas season where we will be embarking on some wonderful Christmas tales of the cinematic nature. So what are we to do? What are we to do here at Shoot the Flick? The pressure is on me, of course, because it always is, isn't it? It, It's just always upon the wife to carry us through, to right the ship. Scott, what did I introduce you to today? Today you introduced me to Crazy Stupid Love. Released in 2011. Uh, I chose this particular movie because in the realm of rom-coms, it is certainly one of the more formulaic genres out there. And in my opinion, and I would assume Scott's as well, though Scott will certainly share his opinion on rom-coms in general, it takes a little something extra, a little a little oomph, a little je ne sais quoi to make a truly good and enjoyable rom-com. And in my opinion, this is one of those rom-coms. So, Scott, generally speaking, how do you feel about this genre? I, I generally enjoy rom-coms for the most part. There are ones I like, like Caden Leopold. Kate and Leopold is your your bar of a good. I mean, I like it fine, but like no, that's that's your standard. What's no, the, okay? Here's not... here's the real question here, kids. Okay, I'm gonna ask the million dollar question, the one that everyone wants to know. What is your favorite rom com, Scott? That's tough, but I probably would go with Groundhog Day. Okay, that's a solid choice. Uh, If I had to pick one, I would probably say The Princess Bride would be my absolute favorite. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't consider The Princess Bride a romantic comedy. Um, I get you. Like, it's not... I don't know. There's got to be something about the movie to make it a rom-com. And Princess Bride isn't that in my head. Like, Notting Hill is a romantic comedy. Uh, Okay. I mean, if we're talking about more traditional rom-coms... I guess I would have to say When Harry Met Sally then, which you haven't seen, right? Nope. I have that on my list for you. We're going to get there, kids. But um, I did pick this movie to show Scott because, again, wanted to keep it a little light this episode. Just wanted to have a grand old time. And um, when this movie came out, it was kind of a very popular film when it was released, mainly, I think, because of Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. And their kind of star power at that time, particularly, was kind of at its height. Yeah, I remember people talking about Ryan Gosling having his shirt off. Because I think that scene is, like, everywhere. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) And it was. Carell's pretty funny. He still has some of his moments where he's Steve Carell. Like, there's one moment where he's being yelled at for being an asshole. And you could see... He's like running out of the room and he's got, he's laughing. I'm like, you guys couldn't take a second shot there? Well, to be fair, this movie did come out the same year within like a few months of Steve Carell's last episode on The Office. So this was really kind of Steve Carell's peak as far as like comedic 
acting because he had done The Office and he was so beloved on that show. He did Despicable Me. So he kind of started that whole franchise, which Despicable Me is technically a franchise. Let's just soak that up for a minute. What? I think a big component of what makes the rom-com successful Obviously, because both comedy and romance require this element to be successful, is chemistry. Yes. And I think the chemistry, both romantic and the kind of friendship chemistry between Ryan Gosling's character and Steve Carell's character, really makes this movie work. Agreed. The chemistry is a big part. The humor is a big part. If you can laugh, you can forgive some of the... Other stuff that's like you sit there and you go, what the fuck are we doing? Recently, Netflix had two that came out, Holiday and Lovebirds. Oh, is Lovebirds? That's the one with um, Issa Rae and Kumail. Kumail. Yeah. yeah. It looked very generic to me. They were both very generic and very forgettable. There was like some kooky little moments and they had okay chemistry, I know Kumail's had something to do with a murder in the beginning of it. Oh, yeah. I think I think they're just driving together and they witness a murder and then they have to, like, and it, hijinks it, ensue, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then Holiday is about getting a date on holidays. Who's one? Who's that one? Who's in that? I know. Is that the Emma Roberts one? Yes, that one. Oh, fuck. Okay. You know, Emma Roberts also did another rom-com recently. I don't remember what it is. I think it's... No, I do remember what it's called. Little Italy. Because I think it's her and um, Hayden Christensen. There we go. And they... uh, I think their families run like rival pizza places and they fall in love. Hayden Christensen does not strike me as a man whose family owns an Italian restaurant. For some reason, I just can't. It doesn't work in my head. Not to get off topic, as we so often do, but you know he's coming back as Anakin, right? Yeah, I know. And there will be a sand joke. I know... You think they're going to make a sand joke oh, in the Obi-Wan show? Someone will make a sand joke. Maybe it's not. It won't be like a verbal, like, butt on bum joke. It'll be like just Anakin standing in the desert, like, looking for Obi-Wan. And he, like, takes off his shoe, like, a black boot of his fucking huge fucking Darth Vader costume. And he's just pouring out sand into the desert. <laughs> and that's the joke. If that actually happens, I'm going to give myself a treat. <laughs> well... Either that or, well, what I can see is like a stormtrooper walking behind Vader and he's like, oh, God, I hate sand. It fucking gets everywhere. And then, and then Anakin just like whips his head around like, shut up. I don't pay you to talk. I pay you to shoot poorly. Oh, God. <laughs> so, okay. This movie that we are talking about currently, Crazy Stupid Love, was directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. This is the second film they've done together after another movie that also is on my list for Scott, I Love You, Philip Morris, and that was two years before this movie. It's a really good movie. Do you even know what that is? It has Ewan McGregor in it, shock of all shocks. What a shock. Uh, I know. I love him. It's fine. Let's not get too into it. No. Uh, sorry. I... Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey, and they meet in prison and fall in love, and Jim Carrey's a con man, and I won't give any more away because you got to watch the movie. But does he it's have a, really good. Does he hide a watch in his ass to give N- to Bruce Willis? N- what? <laughs> That's uh, Christopher Walken hides a watch in his ass. When? Where? Who? <laughs> Wait, what movie is that? Pulp Fiction. Oh, I don't even... Oh, fuck. Okay. I'm sorry. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction in like a bajillion years. Anyway, back to the 
fucking movie we're talking about. This movie was written by a gentleman named Dan Fogelman. Now, this is not a good sign because he also wrote some shitty movies such as Cars. The first one's fine. Cars, <laughs> Fred Claus. Oh, okay, Fred Claus. Bolt and uh, Guilt Trip. You know what Guilt Trip is by the name? I haven't seen it, and there's a reason for that. It's Barbara Streisand and Seth Rogen, your favorite. They play Yay. mother and son, and they go on a road trip together, and hijinks ensue. Yay. <laughs> I did enjoy this movie. You could tell there was a lot of improv going on. Well, when you have Steve Carell in there, like that's kind of his shtick. Right, and like fair enough. Although I will say, even though I like this movie, sometimes it doesn't work, the, the clearly improv stuff. I think it's because when you can tell it's clearly improv, most times it's coming out of Ryan Gosling's mouth. <laughs> and I love Ryan Gosling. I truly do. But like sometimes his comic work isn't great. <laughs> well, even Steve Carell has a couple where you're like, oh, Steve. Well, yeah, because Steve Carell, I mean, I like Steve Carell. I feel like most people do like Steve Carell. But like, I don't think he's got his shtick. He's got his, like, awkward, middle-aged, average Joe guy kind of humor. And that works for him. <laughs> it worked on The Office, although he's not Michael Scott in this movie by any stretch. Michael Scott is kind of a caricature of that type of character. Yeah. As a guy who's not a huge Office person, and I've never been a huge Office person. I like it fine. I'm more a Parks and Recs girl myself. Same. Steve Carell... My introduction to him was fucking Bruce Almighty. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, that, that's the guy who tried to steal Jim Carrey's job. And <laughs> But I, I do really enjoy this movie. I hadn't seen it in a while, so I was a little nervous that, like, I wasn't going to find it as fun as I did back in the day when I first saw it. And I will say that, like, I didn't laugh uproariously at anything. It's overall just a very cute, lighthearted romp, like a lot of rom-coms are, which is exactly what it's there to do. So it, it did its job. It understood the assignment. Yes, it did. It definitely understood the assignment. But also, um, spoiler alert, I mean, not really spoiler yet. We'll, we'll get there. But there is a bit of a twist in this movie, and I was very interested to see if scott would catch on to the twist but he didn't i was actually surprised because you're usually good with that like figuring out when twists are coming yeah i i guess y your mouth was agape which i was surprised by i like purposely watched you when it happened and you were like oh <laughs> oh shit yeah like i knew in my head because it's two separate main stories that i knew at some point had to interconnect but maybe maybe mentally I wasn't thinking about it because I should have got it. It's one of those twists that, like, once it happens, it all kind of clicks. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Got it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> but overall, yeah, it's it's a fun, cute movie. Definitely on the higher end of the rom-com genre. Before we do actually start, start, I did want to mention one thing. What do you think about the title of this movie? 
Do you think it's particularly interesting or inviting or encompassing of what the movie is? <laughs> yes. In, well, I think it's encompassing of what the movie is. I don't think if you saw the title, you would be like, what the fuck is this? Right. Uh, it just comes off very generic. Yeah. Romance movie. Exactly. Kind of Honestly, if you look at the poster, you probably think, oh, it's a love story between Steve Carell and Julianne Moore. But the reason I ask is because the title of this film was a big point of contention during production. Uh, it got to the point where the filmmakers offered a free iPad on set to anyone who could come up with a fucking title. Because <laughs> they're like, we don't know what to do. Carell went on record saying that he actually hated the title and he was a producer on the film. So he actually had like a say. I think he said he wanted to name it The Wingman because technically like, yeah, technically it's kind of, it sounds better closer to the plot kind uh, of not really I don't know. well when you think wingman you think like barney rubble to like fred you, you know. right I, that's a weird example to bring up but yes essentially yes even though <laughs> barney and fred were both married men of the stone age but yes the implication i get what you're saying but he hated the title Crazy Stupid Love and said he couldn't imagine a group of college guys going to the movie theater and saying, five tickets for Crazy Stupid Love, please. And it's like, that's fair. Well, it, when this came out in 2011, I was a college kid and I didn't see it. So, hey, he was right. That's like going like, oh, and your girl goes, hey, you want to go see Twilight? And you're like, no, I no, really don't. Why would I want that? They made a Twilight joke in this movie, which was great. <laughs> At one point, Julianne Moore is like upset. She's like, I was so sad. I went to the movie theater by myself. It's all the new Twilight movie. And she's just sobbing. She's like, it was so bad. <laughs> and I was like, oh, honey. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Scott, are you ready to get into the nitty gritty? Yeah, let's do this. So... If you didn't know it was a rom-com by the title of the movie or whatever trailers you saw, whatever posters you saw in the movie theater, you definitely know within the first five seconds because the film opens with the John Legend song. You didn't recognize John Legend? I couldn't name you a John Legend song at this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No? That's like the biggest song he has. All of me... Loves all. Okay, I, I know ha! this song. I know that song. Okay, so I know one John Legend song. Well, shit, you uncultured swine. Let's continue. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, I know bees in the trap, though. Bitches ain't shit and they ain't saying nothing. A hundred motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I bees in the trap. Beep, bees in the trap. I bees in the trap. Beep, bees in the trap. We immediately start off by meeting... Steve Carell's character, whose name is Cal, and we meet Julianne Moore's character. She plays Steve Carell's wife named Emily. And they're out to dinner, and they're having a not-so-lovely time. Very awkward. And she kind of blurts out that she wants a divorce. And she explains to Cal that she has had an affair with a guy from work named David Lindenhagen. Damn you, Lindenhagen! Lindhagen. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> they pronounce it wrong all throughout the movie. That's true. Now, on the way home after this very awkward and heartbreaking reveal, Julianne Moore is, is rambling on and on trying to explain herself to Steve Carell. And Steve Carell is just like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. 
And then I'm guessing the dark moment that Scott referred to before happens. Yeah, he just throws himself out of the car. Yeah, he unbuckles his seatbelt and jumps out of a moving car. <laughs> well, this whole section of like, I want a divorce to like throwing himself out of the car to like, oh, I had an affair. I'm like, this is all a rip-roaring good time. It's a knee slapper for sure. They go home to their children and the babysitter. They have a a 13-year-old son named Robbie. We also meet, like I said, the babysitter Jessica, played by Annalee Tipton. And I only know her as the second runner-up in Cycle 11 of America's Next Top Model. Okay. I, I couldn't even tell you that. Uh, well, no one was expecting you to know that, dear. Okay, and Robbie has a thing for Jessica. Robbie gets caught jerking off to a picture of Jessica. We love that for him. But the awkwardness is thankfully interrupted when the parents come in and <laughs> they just openly talk about the fact that they're getting divorced, or at least Steve Carell does. And then he looks over, he's like, oh, Robbie, my son, didn't see you standing there. You know you have children, right? I mean, they're, you know, they're here. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, after that bit of awkward loveliness, we then cut to... Oh, no, we keep getting awkward because now Steve Carell has to drive Jessica home. Oh, yes. We didn't even mention that Jessica also has a little crush, but not on Robbie. Oh, no, no. On the fucking, like, 40-something-year-old dad, <laughs> Steve Carell. <laughs> This is what distracted me. This teen plot distracted the hell out of me from the major plot. Yeah, there, there's a whole subplot with Robbie and Jessica, and it, it's 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 necessary for the movie, but it's also distracting at times because you don't care as much. <laughs> but yes, Jessica is really into Steve Carell, and is like, "Hey, if your wife divorces you, that's just stupid." She's batshit crazy. So then, after that, uh, we cut to this very upscale bar, very fancy schmancy, and we meet Hannah, who is our kind of young ingenue of the film, played by Emma Stone. This was right in between Easy A, which was, I think, the movie that really kind of shot her up to stardom, and right before The Help, which was like her first kind of Oscar-y movie that she did. And just, you know, to put it out there, this is the first of three movies that she has done now with Mr. Ryan Gosling. The other two being Gangster Squad about, I think, two years after this movie. And then, of course, 2016's La La Land, which got her an Oscar win. So, Emma Stone, everyone. She is in this bar with her friend and they're chatting away. The friend is kind of like a wild child and she's like, you need to loosen up a little bit, Emma Stone. You need to get out there in the world and you need to stop being so PG-13 all the time with your life. You need to get fucked. Yes. Essentially, she needs a good deep dicking. And Emma Stone is like, no, 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 dear friend. I must study for the bar and I must graduate law school uh, because I am going to be a lawyer. And of course, right at that opportune time, Emma Stone's love interest, a.k.a. our other main male character, a.k.a. Ryan motherfucking Gosling enters the room and he's staring at Emma Stone and he's very titillated with her and he hits on her very obviously and cheesily. Yes, using a bunch of lawyer puns. But of course she, being the serious law school student, has no time for deep dickings. Oh no no. And she rebuffs Ryan Gosling for being the man whore that he is and saunters out of the bar. <laughs> and then not too long after that, we see Cal, 
go into this upscale bar and he is drinking his troubles away. He has moved out of uh, the house and keeps coming back to this bar over uh, several scenes and he's just making a very loud scene essentially about how uh, his wife cheated on him and he's drinking vodka cranberries from a straw like a fucking child. And, <laughs> and, oh, I um, didn't know childs drank I didn't, I didn't know, know Childs. I didn't know Childs was the word. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> I didn't know children drank vodka Of course they do, dear. They sell them in the little sippy cups like Capri Sun. You just stick a little straw in there. Oh, you're too first here. Drink this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after a few times of Cal making a, a dumbass out of himself in this upscale fancy schmancy bar, he catches Jacob's attention. Oh, by the way, Ryan Gosling's name is Jacob in the movie. Ryan Gosling, Jacob. Okay, moving on. Cal catches Jacob's attention and he decides he wants to help Cal, quote unquote, rediscover his manhood because he, again, is acting like a little nerdy, sad bitch. <laughs> yeah, again, though, this is fairly, you know, a recent wound and all that good stuff. Yes, and he does mention that he's been with his wife since they were teenagers, which is another reason why I wanted to show you this movie, babe, because, you know, you and me, we've been together for a long time since we were teenagers. So you're saying this is going to be us at 42? Well, I would never cheat on you with David Lindhagen. <laughs> that, that, that is good. I'm glad you will not cheat on me with Kevin Bacon. Oh, you gave away the <laughs> you gave away the good shit that Kevin Bacon is David Lindhagen. We'll get there, kids. But anyway, also there's another funny scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where during this whole like lament, where he's like, "Oh, woe is me! My wife cheated on me with this fucking David Lindhagen, that bastard." His friend comes in, played by John Carroll Lynch, who is a character actor. Yeah, he, he's been in a bunch of things. Most recently, I think he was in Trial of the Chicago 7, but he's another one of those guys that, like, you see him, you know who he is. He's been in a bunch of things. And he comes in and he goes, Hey, man, my wife said I can't be friends with you anymore because she's like, we have to choose a side, and apparently I'm forced to choose Emily. Even though she cheated on you, we're going to go with her. Sorry, buddy. Here's some cologne. Bye. So he just gets more depressed. But don't worry, guys. Jacob, a.k.a. Ryan Gosling, is going to save the day. And Steve Carell says to Ryan Gosling, he's like, why are you doing this? Why, oh, why do you want to help me, quote unquote, reclaim my manhood? And Ryan Gosling just says a very vague response. He says, you know, you remind me of someone. Okay, that'll come back later. But, um... <laughs> Jacob says to Cal, listen, meet me at the mall tomorrow, three o'clock, and I will give you some help with your fucking life, <laughs> basically. And it's funny because the next scene we cut to is Cal leaving his house, leaving the babysitter with the kids, you know. Once we cut to Ryan Gosling sort of waiting for Steve Carell at this food court in the mall, they they make a, an odd kind of funny score choice. They decide to play the very dramatic, intense kind of like choral music. Like if you watched uh, the 2021 version of Dune, it's basically that music where it's like... Like, this guy is a mystical, magical, magic man that's going to save 
Steve Carell from himself. <laughs> yeah, or he could just not exist and just be part of Steve Carell's mind. <gasps> no, that's not the twist. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Hate not. to break it to you. This isn't Fight Club. No, no, no. But how funny would that be if at randomly Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling got into a fight? That would be actually very entertaining. I mean, they basically do later on, but it's it's played more for laughs, which is fine also. But anyway, this meeting begins and um, they have the first really like physical gag in the movie. And Scott saw it coming from a mile away. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's mocking what Steve Carell is wearing. He's like, oh, are you Steve Jobs? He goes, what? No, I'm not Steve Jobs. Oh, OK. Then why the fuck are you wearing new balances? He goes, give me shoes. And he hands him his shoes. And Dry Gosling just throws it off the balcony of the food court. Definitely hit somebody. His Steve Carell's like, what the hell is the matter with you? But um, this is their first kind of like establishing of their friendship kind of, sort of. But in this little section of the film, we get some good uh, comic moments. Ryan Gosling is basically helping... Steve Carell come up with a new wardrobe, giving him advice on women. Fucking Steve Carell has a Velcro wallet, which, like, why, after the age of, like, 12, do you want a Velcro wallet? But okay. This whole scene, because it's like a montage trying to fix Steve Carell, at least from the outside. Right. And I'm sitting there the whole time going, how much is Steve Carell spending here? Oh, yeah. Well, Ryan Gosling makes it sound like not a big deal. He's like, you can completely change your wardrobe with just 16 items. And then you just see like expensive suit, expensive suit, jeans, 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 fancy shoes, fancy shoes. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, but they keep swiping his card. I'm like, this bill is going to be gnarly. And we get uh, some more physical gags between Carell and Gosling, where Gosling is just constantly like giving him like attaboy slaps in the face. Be better than the Gap. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Steve Carell at one point is like, can't we just go to the Gap? And Ryan Gosling just walks away from him like, oh, my God. But um, later on, they go to the bar and he's giving him some advice on picking up women. And Gosling asks Steve Carell, how many women have you been with? And he and Steve Carell says one, and Ryan Gosling's like, no, I don't mean at the same time. I mean in t- in total, how many women? And he's like, one. I met my wife in high school, and we've been together ever since. And he's like, oh my god, <laughs> oh no. But he makes a comment, and it's such like a a throwaway comment that like you blink and you miss it. But it's important <laughs> for what happens later in this conversation. Steve Carell says. Oh, we've been together since high school. We've been together ever since. We had a little blip senior year. And then Gosling's like, okay, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then he just moves on with the conversation. And it's, again, blinking you miss it. But, like, later on, it becomes very important. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So I'm guessing you didn't pick up on that. No. (laughs) No, no, no. So we then get another montage, essentially, of just Ryan Gosling I assume being Ryan Gosling before he was married with children, like just fucking like picking up every sexy woman in the near vicinity and taking them home and making the sex with them. Well, I kept laughing because he kept doing this like whole thing with like he would show Steve Carell and Steve Carell would say something that was like wouldn't pick up a girl and Ryan Gosling would just use it to pick up the girl. Like, oh, let's leave Steve Carell here and just kind of go. So you're using Steve Carell almost as like 
a chick repellent to add to your magnetism. Like, you almost don't need that Ryan Gosling. Why did I write Gosling dick in the face? Oh, because that happens here. Oh, right. <laughs> Why did I write Gosling dick, <laughs> dick in, in the, the face? face. <laughs> so, um, we get some more bonding time with Corel and Gosling. He's taking him to the gym. He's taking him to the sauna. And they have a great little scene in the sauna where, of course, Gosling's cock is out. But, like, we don't see it because it's ever. this is like a PG-13 movie. So we can't actually show cock. But it's heavily implied. And... <laughs> That Steve Carell's head is blocking the way, but yeah, they have this whole thing, and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, is this bothering you? No, it's not. Cal, my chiffonce is in your face for 20 minutes. If it's not bothering you, we got a bigger problem. I bet David Lindenhagen is showing his dick to your wife, oh, and geez. Cal just kind of like almost passes out on Ryan Gosling's dick. We love that for him. I mean, if I could, I... Never mind. Anyway... <laughs> God. Anyway, so at this point, after all of this mishigas of Jacob showing Cal the ropes and his dick and his dick, Gosling decides, hey, you're ready, bro. You're ready to pick up a woman. Cal is very uh, hesitant, but Gosling picks out Marissa Tomei across the, the bar and, you know, Marissa Tomei being the Aunt May sexy bitch that she is. Steve Carell's all over that shit. Well, Steve Carell initially tries to go in like Ryan Gosling and do like Ryan Gosling's pickup shit and it doesn't work. And then he immediately switches over to his own shit. And he's like super honest and he's saying literally everything that Gosling told him not to say. Which in a way, because it does work... But also, they paint Marissa Tomei like a crazy bitch in this movie. So it's you could take this whole sequence really either way. You can either take it as Gosling, yes, is obviously a, a bit of a ladies' man, uh, Lothario, some might say. But his way of life is not a foolproof way of, of getting girls. Or you could take it as Marissa Tomei is just like a crazy person. And after hearing Steve Carell tell her that he's like still in love with his wife and uh, wants to basically use her to make his wife jealous, gets really turned on by that and wants to sleep with him. Either way, <laughs> the hijinks are ensuing. Well, Marissa Tomei sleeps with him. This leads to Steve Carell sleeping around with a couple of women, kind of doing his way of doing it, which is to be honest and listen and... But he does have, like, swagger about it. That's the thing, too. Like, you can tell he has a, a definite confidence, which ultimately, yes, Ryan Gosling has a different approach. But ultimately, it's the same thing, just done in different ways. They have a certain confidence, a certain swagger about them, you see. Yes, indeed. So Steve Carell has now bedded a handful of beautiful women. He's feeling very confident at this point. Very swaggy. Swag, 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 you know? We've said swag way too much in this episode already. Swag. Anyway, <laughs> after all of this swaggy swagginess, we cut back to the teen plot, which we've already mentioned. We love ever so much. 
the babysitter Jessica comes home to see her parents talking shit about Cal. We find out that her dad is the friend that basically broke up with Steve Carell earlier in the movie. But they're basically just talking shit about Cal, saying that he's like a fucking man whore now because there's always girls going in and out of his apartment, blah, blah, blah. So we picked the right friend to follow. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. It's, it's pretty bitchy. But anyway, Jessica gets all upset by this. And she decides a very bad thing to do. (laughs) She decides that she's going to get Cal's attention by taking naked photos of herself and putting them in an envelope and writing Cal on it and putting a bunch of stickers on it because that's sexy. And she is like holding on to these photos and is going to give them physically to Steve Carell. Now, if this was real life, there wouldn't be like physical copies of the picture. She'd literally just be taking nudies on her phone and sending them to him over text. And that would be the end of that. But if that happened, we wouldn't have the movie that we have. So we have to just pretend that kids today would take physical photos of themselves naked and save them to physically give to a 40 something year old man. Well, okay. Not only that. So Robbie who is also still trying to flirt with Jessica. Oh, yes. He is, by this point, fully admitted to her that he is in love with her and has, at multiple occasions, tried to, like, confess his love. We're only four years different. It's it's in a couple years that won't even matter. Oh, no. (laughs) The kid Robbie is painted as like this very romantic old soul type of kid but in reality he's just weird and little inappropriate soulmates but he has a talk with his dad basically telling him like i'm in love with this girl and she's my soulmate and the dad not realizing that it's the fucking 17 year old babysitter is like oh go for it son and <laughs> then the, the kid is like why why should i go for it you gave up on mom and he's like oh it's not that simple and after this talk he has with his son he realizes that he still loves his wife and he maybe wants to try and get her back so we cut to robbie's parent teacher conference and i really liked this scene particularly the way it was shot both Cal and Emily show up to the parent-teacher conference and they're waiting outside the teacher's door. They're both sitting on either side of the door and the way the shot is framed, you just see like two people sitting very kind of awkwardly and sullenly because they both really miss each other and still love each other. But there's just this incredible space between them, meaning the classroom door that's like separating them. And they're kind of doing like a small talk thing and it's very awkward and tentative. But then the kind of wall breaks down a little bit and they admit that they miss each other and they still care about each other. And Julianne Moore gets a little teary eyed and you think, oh, maybe some headway is going to be made here. But of course, this is a romantic comedy. Now, if this was just a romance, I mean, my God, it it, it would be over. We'd be rolling the credits right now. But no, it's a comedy. So, of course, when the teacher opens the classroom door to welcome Robbie's parents into her classroom. Who's the teacher, Scott? Who is this mysterious teacher? It is Marissa Tomei, who Steve Carell did not call back, so he just fucked her and left her. Oh, I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds so mean, but I mean, yeah, that's what happened. She proceeds to call him an asshole. 
Yeah, and it's obviously revealed because earlier in their very uh, very sweet conversation between Julianne Moore and uh, Steve Carell, he asks her how's things going with Lindhagen, and she's like, "Oh no, like it wasn't a uh, and like a long standing thing. Like it just happened, and nothing's going on now." And then um, she asks Steve Carell, "Are you seeing anyone?" And he's like, "Nope, nope." You know me, good old Cal, not singing anyone. And then not only is it revealed that he stooped Marissa Tomei, but Cal inadvertently reveals that since he's broken up with his wife, he's slept with nine women. <laughs> and Scott had a particular reaction to this scene because it was it was a bit of a a sad argument scene between the two of them where Julianne Moore was upset that he's been stripping all of these women. She has no fucking leg to stand on here. I disagree, no but continue. fucking leg to stand. She slept with Kevin Bacon. But it's different when, like, she... Okay, hold on. Before you jump down my throat, okay? <laughs> it's different. She slept with one guy one time and felt immediately remorseful I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying that's different than Steve Carell sleeping with random women. Nine random women. I kept thinking of the fucking scene from Clerks when the guy finds out the girlfriend cheated on him. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? What I'm saying is it's different when she made one mistake with this guy and felt immediately remorseful and it isn't like a long-standing affair or anything. That's different than him sleeping with nine women and you, randomly. And no, 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 she's no, no, not no, no, saying, no, but it's no, not. She no, knows that she no. can't. Wait, hold on. No. It's, it's painful. They've only been with each other for like a bajillion years. And it hurts. Obviously, it hurts when she slept with David Lindhagen. Okay, I'm not saying it didn't. But it also hurts her when he sleeps with nine women. Like, they've only slept with each other their whole lives. And now he's slept with nine other women? No, okay. No. They were in a committed relationship. They were married. I understand. No, 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 no. You had your turn. No. No. The moment she goes and he goes, I cheated on you. I wanted divorce. She has no leg to stand on to say, hey, you slept with nine women. I have a problem with that. No, uh, uh, get out of my house. <laughs> no, he said he'd move out. He, she didn't kick him out of the house. Either way, he has moved out. She has asked him for a divorce. She cheated on him. She, he didn't sleep with them when they were in a committed relationship still. I this know. is no no like to stand I on. I understand. And he even says like I slept with those women to move on. She has, I'm not saying no. she's right. I'm not even I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying as a person who like they just had a whole conversation about how they still have feelings for each other. It's hurtful. It hurt it would hurt not saying that like he's an asshole. I don't think he's an asshole. And she knows he's not an asshole either. It's just hurtful that he slept with nine wet that's all I'm saying. It shouldn't she she, she again, she caused she this shouldn't be sad about it. No, she no. She has no reason to no. She caused this. This is <laughs> oh her God. own fault. This is people are gonna think this is personal that like I cheated on you with David Linhagen and like I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> if you didn't cheat with Kevin Bacon, he wouldn't have slept with those nine women to try and get over you. 
he wasn't I'm not saying she has a right to be mad at him necessarily and I don't think she is really long term I think the shock of it really upset her more than anything but I think it's fair to say that she's allowed to be hurt by that and be sad about it she cheated but he lied to her and said that he hasn't been with anybody he didn't lie he didn't he's not with anybody he slept with people that doesn't mean he's with them now that's just semantics here (laughs) I think think that's a little sickness we like to call semantics. That is not semantics. It's the truth. Okay. Not to say that I would sleep with anyone while we were together. I would never in my life. But you're telling me that I'm not allowed to be sad (laughs) if we're broken up and we, at another point in time, down the road, say, I miss you to each other. And, like, it seems like maybe there's hope that we can get back together. And then I find out that you slept with a whole bunch of people. I'm not allowed to be sad about that because we're broken up. No, you aren't. Just, I'm not saying you have a right. You have a right to sleep with whoever you want to if you're not married just to like me. If, just like if you tell me, like, oh, I slept with two or three other guys. You're not going to be sad about no, it? No, I won't be. You're so full of horse shit. I can't even see you anymore. It's all just brown. Brown horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, I feel like I feel like people who are listening to this are gonna think we're really arguing. Like, I feel like I feel like the audience is like looking like very scared. Like, oh no, mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> it's okay, kids. It's okay. Oh god. Because I know you're full of shit. That's fine. I'm not but okay. Okay. You'd feel a bit like if I slept. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> I certainly would if we were broken up. Oh my god, this is insanity. If we were broken up, but like we still had feelings for each other but and we had a conversation about it. And basically conversation- You had your turn. I want my turn again. If we had a conversation about wanting to potentially be together again and I w- that we miss each other. And then I ask you, are you are you seeing anyone? Have you been seeing people? And you say no. And then uh, you ask me the same question, and I actually haven't, and I say no. If I then find out that you've been sleeping with not one, not two, but nine <laughs> women, 37 dicks, <laughs> I would be upset. You're telling me that if we were broken up and you were still in love with me and you found out that I slept with nine <laughs> men, that you wouldn't be upset. I'm not talking about really, I'm talking about your feelings. Remember, remember your heart. It's in there in your heart. How would you feel? Would you just feel OK with that? Would I be upset? Yes. Let's move on. <clears throat> oh, that was fun. See, the thing is, kids, when you get to be our age, old and crusty and married, sometimes you just want to fight for the fun of it. Um, after this, we go back to Emma Stone. Remember her? She's in this movie. She's dating this guy named Richard, played by Josh motherfucking Groban in his film debut. And if you don't know who Josh Groban is, he is primarily known as a singer, very operatic, beautiful voice. But he is also, a lot of people don't realize how hilarious he is. Unfortunately, I don't. he's only had like really bit parts, I think, in movies for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. 
but he's like a goof yeah he's very goofy that's a great word for it um and he plays like i said emma stone's boyfriend and he is a lawyer as we mentioned emma stone is a law student they are having this like group dinner to celebrate the fact that emma stone's hannah has graduated law school she thinks that the boyfriend's gonna propose and instead of proposing he offers her a job at his firm and she says to the boyfriend oh i thought you were gonna propose and he's like oh no no emma stone i need time to figure out how i feel about us in the long term and emma stone's like are you fucking kidding me bro (laughs) she has some gin and storms out of the bar gives her friend a high five we're going to the fancy bar and then they go to the fancy bar and ryan gosling is there and they have the fucking they emma stone i cheered at this part emma stone did something that every fucking heterosexual woman (laughs) would want to do and and probably some guys too yes she literally just walks into the bar and she points at ryan gosling she's like you and he turns around like what (laughs) and she walks up to him and just gives him a big old kiss and it's sexy as fuck and then she's like you you she's she's just like takes charge of the situation which is new for ryan gosling she's he's like oh i'm used to doing this but okay and uh emma stone's just like do you remember me and he's like yeah and she's like you still find me attractive and he's like yeah you're emma stone and she's like let's get the fuck out of here and she grabs his hand and off they go and they go to ryan gosling's place and they have uh a really cute sequence in ryan gosling's plays they have really great chemistry i.e the two other movies they did together yeah she's nervous about this so she's like kind of blabbering on to ryan gosling because she knows he's kind of a player a player a player you're so white okay continue (laughs) he is though that's what he is (laughs) i know i'm not saying he's not i'm just saying the way you say player is funny to me but continue i'm i'm telling you to continue She's blabbing on Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's just kind of sitting there letting her. And she goes, okay, fine. Um, Take off your shirt. And (laughs) we get like the famous scene that I think I'm almost positive was in the trailers. It's the scene that like everybody knows from this movie. Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off. Emma Stone just looks at him and she's like, fuck, seriously? It's like you're photoshopped. And like, yeah. Yeah. It's Ryan Gosling, honey. (laughs) But it works. Because uh, next thing you know, they're in bed together and they're 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 smooching. And Emma and Stone just keeps talking. Yeah, because she's like nervous and she's kind of rambling on. And then they kind of give up on the having sex thing, I think, because then they just start talking and laughing and joking around. And they end up talking all night. And at one point, Ryan Gosling says to Emma Stone, hey, can you do me a favor? Ask me something personal about myself. And she goes, well what are your parents like and he proceeds to explain to her that like his mom was a very beautiful woman but also very cold and a little bit crazy and his dad died when he was very young but he was a very sweet man very successful but a sweet guy and really cared about his family that whole response to the question regarding his father kind of fills in the blank of why he really wanted to help cal because it seemed like Cal kind of reminded him of his dad. Yes. Which was sweet. I thought that was very sweet. It is. It is sweet. Cal, at one point, as we said before, his son does tell him to fight for his wife. So then he decides he's, he has this, this scheme, this plan, this plot to woo his wife and get her back. So he plans this whole romantic thing. 
because she does mention at one point he was really good at mini golf. Yeah, and they like went to mini golf on their first date. So he makes a plan with his two kids to help set up this mini golf course in their backyard to try to woo the wife. But there's more that will happen here. Yes, we're we're leading up to the big twist. Now, in the midst of all of that, uh, the babysitter Jessica, yeah, she's still in this movie, goddammit. We're at her house, and her mom is in her bedroom cleaning because that's what moms do. And she finds the nudie pictures addressed to Cal, and she's very upset. And she hands the envelope to her husband, and her husband is very upset, and he storms out of the house to go and kill Cal. <laughs> The daughter chases after him. Well, she's trying to say he has, doesn't know anything about this. Right. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you know how in those comedies they rely heavily on those silly misunderstandings about underage nudity. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, that's going on. Then also in the midst of all this, Cal gets a call from Jacob. And Jacob is basically saying, because mind you, a lot of time has passed since uh, their first night together, yes. him and Emma Stone. They're, you know, he, he by this point, they're in a relationship. Yes. They're very much involved with each other. And he's calling Cal because he's scurred, because he's meeting his girlfriend's mommy. So Cal's like, oh, just be yourself and everything's going to be fine. Well, at first he says, don't be yourself. He's like, uh, oh, right. True. Because, you know, himself before... The relationship with Emma Stone is a fucking Lothario or a, a player, a player, as Scott would say. So we have um, all of these little things going on. Little do we know that Jacob's storyline and Cal's storyline are about to converge. So now his wife, who is blindfolded by her kids, comes down. He's making this whole grand speech a gesture. Suddenly, Emma Stone walks in and you're like, what? Yes, and Jacob walks in right after her, and it is revealed that Emma Stone is Julianne Moore and Steve Carell's daughter. And Jacob and Cal are very confused. They're like, what are you doing here? Wait, what are you doing here? And Jacob is like, what are you doing with a grown-ass adult for a child? And he's like, we had her when we were 17, you asshole. That's why we got married so young, remember? Never let me talk about it. Remember about the blip in <laughs> in our senior year? Yeah, all this is while Julianne Moore is like, can I take I'm the blindfold? blindfold. <laughs> Can I take the blindfold? It's just a comedy of hijinks. Oh my goodness. And then in the midst of all that drama, fucking Jessica's dad comes barreling through and tackles Cal to the ground. <laughs> and then, you know, we find out the less important thing that like Jessica's into Cal, but also Robbie's into Jessica and it's a whole big who gives a fuck? The important thing. <laughs> They're fighting and then suddenly There's lots of fighting going on and then something else happens. And then out of nowhere Riding on a sandworm. No, <laughs> that's we're mixing it up. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, movie. sorry, sorry. Coming in from a town that doesn't dance. Oh no, that's another movie. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Bacon comes in, <laughs> David Lindhagen, guys, and everyone goes silent. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Ryan Gosling takes off his rings. Oh my god, this was like one of my favorite moments in the movie. Honestly, like this is like top five moments because he literally, even though Steve Carell is yelling at Ryan Gosling because he's with his daughter, he still is like, "You're David Lindhagen. You hurt my friend." And he takes off his ring and punches him in the face. <laughs> and it was like, oh. 
you're your friend, so you you've defended your buddy. That's so sweet. And then Steve Carell tackles him, and then get away from my daughter. And it's <laughs> Steve Carell gets tackled, and then the cops show up. It's real. It's it's funny because for a good like ten to fifteen seconds, it's just these four grown men like globbing onto each other, <laughs> and then they're all just sitting there like looking very ashamed in front of the police, and they're like, okay, I guess we gotta stop now. So the dad and the babysitter leave. And then um, Cal basically says, Ryan Gosling is a piece of shit. He's a scumbag. I don't want you seeing him. I forbid it. And Emma Stone is like, Dad, I'm grown as fuck and I'm not going to stop seeing him. So like, fuck you. And he's like, well, then we have nothing else to talk about. And then Julianne Moore says it's not his house. He can go fuck off if he wants. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he gets mad at her. And the reason that Lynn Hogan came over is because he apparently had Julianne more scarf in his car or something. I don't know. Whatever. He Steve Carell got pissed because apparently she went on a date or something with Lynn Hogan. It's, it's, a, it's a mess, kids. It's a mess. <laughs> but, again, did like the twist, and I like that you didn't see it coming. <laughs> I think I think I legitimately think it was because I was distracted by this team plot. So uh, this is a typical point in the formulaic rom-com situation where everybody's sad. Everybody's broken up and dejected. And then by the end, everybody's happy. But right now, we're all very, very sad. Yes. Some time goes by. Ryan Gosling is trying to convince Emma Stone to call her dad. And then he's in the bar being a drunk fuck. Uh, you know, it's it's all very sad, sad, sad. And Ryan Gosling comes to the bar to talk to Carell. Ryan Gosling's like, listen, um, your kids miss you. Your son's graduating eighth grade in a, a, like a week or whatever. You're coming to that, right? And he's like, of course I'm coming to that. You're hanging out with my kids now? And he's like, yeah, I'm still dating your daughter. So I understand uh, the person I was, but your daughter makes me feel... He's, he tells Steve Carell, I'm in love with her. I love your daughter. And I used to think people in love were fucking stupid. And it was, like, pathetic. And I didn't I didn't want this to happen, but it happened. And I love her. And I'm, I'm going to be with her. And Steve Carell's like, listen, I'm happy that you have reevaluated your life. And you're not a man whore anymore. But you're not good enough for my daughter. So I'm not going to approve of it. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. You're a good dad. But, like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. It was a good scene. And then we cut to the graduation. Ryan Gosling sitting with Steve Carell's family, and Steve Carell sits far, far away from them. Robbie's giving this whole speech about how love... Love stinks. Love hurts. Cal stops him, like, stop in the name of love. Yeah, he gets up, makes this whole big speech, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I loved this woman even when I hated her. I've loved her since we were 15 and I bought her mint chocolate ice cream on our first date. You can still believe in love. And the son goes, I love you, Jessica. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, I've loved you ever since you snuck into my room. She didn't sneak into his room. She just walked in there and didn't realize he was masturbating. So they're all happy now. Cal gives Jacob a good slap and says that he approves of his relationship with Emma Stone. But he bought a gun just in case. But a weird thing happens right before the end of the movie. Jessica goes up to Robbie and (laughs) says, oh, Robbie, you're such a sweetheart. Here, take my nudes. Which, by the way, why why did the father not burn those nudes? No one thought to get rid of the nudes? (laughs) 
But she gives him her nudes to quote unquote get him through high school. But um, the movie ends not with Cal and Emily reconciling, like having this magical kiss and like, oh, everything's fine now. We're back together and everything is beautiful and sunshine and rainbows, which I think is the more realistic ending. And I appreciate that, actually. But they do end it on a good note with them talking and flirting a little bit. And she tells him, thanks for buying me that ice cream all those years ago. And he's like, you're welcome. (laughs) I'm glad I did it. And it was a cute little moment. It was. And that's how the movie ends. And it's like, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. But this woman's my soulmate. And I'm never giving up on her. So it might not work out. It might. But I'm not giving up. And you're never not going to be my soulmate, which is very sweet. But Scott, overall, what did you think of this movie? It's a cute movie. It's It's got some funny moments. Sometimes certain things don't land. But overall, it's a cute movie. I should have seen the twist coming. I, I was too distracted by the stupid teen plot. Yeah, um, we, we could have cut down on the teen plot a little bit and honestly, focus more maybe uh, on like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's relationship flourishing because they're really fun to watch or even Steve Carell and Julianne Moore trying uh, to reconcile. Honestly, the whole teen plot was almost unnecessary. <laughs> the whole, it, it really was. I mean, it was... A 17-year-old being attracted to the 42-year-old we don't need in movies. I mean, it was kind of worth it just for the addition of John Carroll Lynch attacking fucking yeah <laughs> steve carell and that whole fight uh in that scene but we could have had it just be kevin bacon and steve carell and Tim. ryan gosling fighting but overall it was still a lot of fun it is on the higher echelon of rom-coms i gave it a three and a half out of five stars scott I, what did you give it i also gave it a three and a half out of five stars sounds about right so i'm glad that we you know kind of took a breather this episode had a little bit of a lighter watch a lighter viewing to kind of cleanse our palate before we get into kingdom of the crystal skull which will be published on december 1st because we're gonna take a week off for thanksgiving but after that yeah we're gonna start the last leg of season two of shoot the flick but until then this has been shoot the flick an official paradoja podcast i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisenberg Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you vote for us for Best Podcast of Long Island. Check out the info on that in our social media. You can vote every day till December 15th. Hell yeah. Get us over the edge, man. We can win this shit. We can win a plaque. We can put it on our wall. (laughs) And uh, make sure you come back next week for our whippersnapping, hat-wearing, old Harrison Fording movie adventure. Love is a battlefield. We are.